Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to the Coach's Corner panel, which will be starting things off uh, here in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, uh, Tom Cox. He is the founder and CEO of GolfBalls.com. Uh, he'll be coming on in the second half um, uh, of the show, so we'll, uh, we'll introduce him a little bit later on. But uh, let me just a couple of quick announcements I want to make before I introduce the panel. And we're actually still waiting for uh, one more to join us, but uh, hopefully she'll, she'll chime in here uh, in a moment or two. Uh, but uh, a lot of exciting news uh, in, certainly happening in my world. Um, and uh, as most of you know that follow me on social media, that uh, recently and within the last couple of weeks, uh, my company, iGolf Sports Network, uh, has purchased um, Golf Tips Magazine. In fact, it was uh, finalized on the 6th of March, so it's uh, fairly, fairly uh, recent. I'm really, really excited about that, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more uh, in, in just a moment. But um, basically what this is going to mean for subscribers is obviously uh, a renewed promise to provide subscribers the highest quality of print and digital content uh, within the golf industry. I know that you've all enjoyed a long uh, uh, period of, of uh, including many instructional tips and articles within the pages of Golf Tips, and I uh, certainly am going to do my best to continue that uh, commitment and more. Um, and... For Golf Tips Magazine, this is really going to help me bridge the gap uh, between my weekly podcast, Golf Talk Live, and the Women of Golf Show, which airs on Tuesdays, and my new premium live stream, uh, live stream excuse me, broadcast and media production company, iGolf Sports. Uh, and uh, Golf Tips is going to be headed out. Uh, their head office will be based in Panama City Beach, Florida, along with me. So I'm very, very excited about doing that. And I'm going to um, basically just a couple of things I want to say very quickly about the magazine. I know the uh, most recent issue has, has gone out uh, within uh, probably about the last month, and uh, there is more than likely going to be a slight delay um, just given what's going on right now in the world with uh, the coronavirus. Uh, there probably will be a slight delay in the next issue coming out. I will keep uh, everybody updated. In fact, I'm going to probably put an update through all social media and onto uh, Golf Tips Magazine website, a little bit more detail about that. So uh, don't panic. Uh, lots of good uh, stuff uh, coming your way. So I hope you'll, you'll stay tuned. And also, uh, I've decided, obviously, to uh, have iGolf Sports and Golf Tips Magazine uh, not only sponsor this show, but also sponsor the Women of Golf Show on Tuesday. So I'm very, very excited to have uh, both of uh, them as uh, sponsors. Um, obviously, I own the company, so that's uh, an added bonus. But I'm really, really excited about that, and they're going to be uh, helping to uh, promote uh, the podcast as well. All right, we're going to get ready for uh, Coach's Corner, and uh, I've got three of them coming on. Two of them are here right now. I'm going to introduce all of them, and uh, hopefully uh, the third one will be joining us here shortly. All right, first up is John Decker. He's a PGA instructor with GolfSwing.com and a motivational speaker. 
Uh, he's a former teaching professional at the New Albany Country Club. Uh, he was the 2015 Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. Uh, and prior to that, he was a head instructor at the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Orlando, where he worked under top 100 instructors Fred Griffin and the late Phil Rogers. Uh, he also authored the book, uh, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which, of course, has an accompanying Bible study. Uh, also on the panel is uh, Jamie Leno Zimron. Uh, she's an instructor, uh, body worker, and consultant. She's also an Aikido six-degree black belt. Uh, she's a Class A LPJ teacher professional, uh, corporate and conference speaker, uh, executive trainer and coach. And she's uh, also a speaker for Vistage International and uh, TEC Canada, which is the executive committee. Uh, also rounding out the panel uh, is Sue Eager. She is a number one best-selling international author of Golf, The Last Six Inches, Change Your Brain, Change Your Game. Uh, she is also a motivational speaker and peak performance coach and a 24-year-plus uh, LBJ Class A uh, golf professional and owner of Uyghur Consultant LLC. So uh, please welcome uh, right now John and uh, Jamie. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Ted. I'm really happy to be here, and uh, congratulations on your new ventures. Really great work and exciting uh, what's coming. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, guys. And, um, you know, it, it, there's going to be a lot uh, of a transition for me, um, you know, to tackle this, if you will. Uh, but I'm very, very excited about it. I know that they've been around. Uh, Golf Tips Magazine has been around. This is actually, I think, its 32nd year. So I'm really, really excited to sort of carry on that tradition. And uh, I'm going to be uh, certainly bringing a lot of the same, uh, uh, you know, insight, if you will, uh, to uh, and including many of the, the great uh, teacher professionals. But I'm going to be adding uh, many, many more. And also some others that are within the golf industry, they're going to be adding some, uh, I think, some very insightful articles and information going in there. And uh, a few other changes, which I'm not going to announce right now, but I think uh, people are going to be very, very excited to see uh, what's going to be coming down the pike. So, but thank you very much guys, uh, as always. And I just got a message from Sue. She's, uh, just, uh, in the process of calling in. So, uh, we'll uh, bring her on, uh, when she joins us here. All right. I'm going to start the conversation with you guys. Um, and, uh, I think John, what I'll do is I'll start with you. And, um, you know, one of the things that we often hear, um, is, you know, we hear about beginning golfers, people just first started getting in and, you know, we hear about the pros and the more advanced golfers, but we don't really hear a lot about intermediate golfers and sort of the, the folks that are sort of crammed somewhere in between. And uh, what I thought I would do is, is talk a little bit about um, some things, that, some trends, if you will, that we see between the group of them, uh, beginning, intermediate, you know, advanced and pro, um, and sort of get your thoughts and input, input as to how uh, our beginning and intermediate golfers could maybe take a, a cue from some of the more advanced. So one of the things that we, we see in the industry is what we would call a warm-up um, uh, before playing around. And, you know, this day and age with so many, uh, John, with so many people really uh, strained for time, uh, most of our beginning golfers very seldomly ever warm up before they play. They pretty much just show up and they might be lucky if they hit a couple of balls um, or a few putts on the putting surface. Um, our intermediate golfers, you know, maybe uh, they might warm up for a few minutes. Um, but our advanced and pro, uh, advanced players usually uh, do warm up for maybe 20, 30 minutes. And their pros, of course, as we know, uh, are always warming up uh, before they play around. So talk a little bit about really what 
the be- particularly the beginning and more so the intermediate golfers that, that want to sort of move to that next level and get to be a more advanced player, what they need to do and what cues they can take from some of the pros that uh, warm up? Well, Ted, I think this is a great, uh, great way to start out the show and especially the season with everyone, you know, we're, we're early on in the, in the golfing season. I, I, again, I want to uh, th- I congratulate you as well with the, uh, you know, with the acquisition of Golf Tips Magazine. I know you're going to do a great job. And Jamie and Sue, when she comes on, I'm looking forward to uh, being with you all on, on the show tonight. Um, the intermediate golfer and the one that you were, you were describing as someone, it seems to, they're, they're kind of stuck in their handicap. It's like they're a 18 right. to 22 handicap for, for 10 years, and they just never seem to get any better. And, and one thing that all great players do is they do warm up. And I think the, if you look at a tour player when they get to an event, they, the, one of the first things they're going to do when they get to the actual golf course or even before they get to the golf course, depending on whether they have a morning or afternoon tee time, is they're going to physically warm their body up. And that, they're going to either get on a treadmill, they're going to do some sort of aerobic activity, walk around this block, do whatever to get their heart rate up, to get a sweat going. And I think that's very important because you do want to warm your body temperature up. Uh, you're going to swing the golf club a lot better uh, if you if your muscles are warm. So that's one of the first things I, I recommend to the average golfer who doesn't have, you know, an hour to warm up. If you maybe only have 15 minutes before your round, start by going, taking a walk, doing something to get your heart rate up. And then obviously uh, there's a lot of great swing devices. I think the orange whip is one of the best ones I've seen. And you can swing that you know, at home before you get to the golf course, or you can swing that in the parking lot, or you can swing that on the driving range tee. You can swing it really anywhere. You're not actually hitting a ball with it. You're not hitting the ground, but it's a great way to loosen up the muscles. And then you always want to start out with small shots first. And small shots are, I'm talking chip shots and putts, and then work your way up to the driver. Don't pull the driver out first. Resist that temptation because if you, if you, if you start out and you get out of the car and you're coming straight from the office and you start swinging the driver first, you're likely to injure yourself, and then, and then you're not going to have any fun at all. So you want to warm up the body muscles uh, however you can, uh, and then obviously small shots to, to the full shots. And that's what really I think all the great players do whether you do it in 10 minutes or, you know, a tour player is going to do all of that in probably an hour and a half to two hours. Um, you want to make sure that you're doing all of those things and you're going to play a lot better golf. Well said, John. Thanks. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. And thank you for, for your well wishes uh, uh, as well. Um, Jamie, um, I, I think what I want to do is, is really talk about uh, – another area that, that a lot of beginning and intermediate golfers really fall short of. And that is, uh, you know, especially this time of year when we want to get everybody out there. And obviously we know right now with, uh, with things sort of being suspended with, with the, the virus going around, um, this is really an opportunity to start working on not only the fundamentals, but for this area particularly, and that's the pre-shot routine. Uh, this is, again, something that a lot of golfers, uh, particularly our, our beginning and intermediate golfers, um, very ra- rarely ever work on. And, um, you know, it's, it's just something that I, I think, I think we would all agree is, is extremely important. So um, very quickly, before you start uh, to answer that, let me just bring, Sue is here now, so let me just bring her on and, and welcome her to the show. And then, Jamie, you can go ahead and answer. Hi, Sue. Welcome to the show.
Hi, Sue. Hello there. Hi, welcome, Sue. Oh, hi, Sue. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure I got you there. Um, okay, so hang on for a second, Sue. Uh, Jamie, go ahead. Well, first of all, welcome, Sue. <laughs> um, I have a friend on here. Um, well, Ted, actually, I'm going to um, maybe refer back a little bit to the uh, previous question as well. Um, and I know Sue's sure. probably got uh, some things to say uh, about the pre-shot routine. But what I want to talk about is uh, preparation in general and including fitness, because fitness is indeed very important. Um, and something that I've done, I've been, I've developed this uh, over the last 20 years. I've got some DVDs that are available uh, online and all. But uh, what they have to do with is what I call make your golf club your health club. And um, there's some exercises, fitness exercises, uh, that are called BLISS. And BLISS is an acronym for Balance, Lengthen, Integrate, Stretch, Strengthen. So for me, you know, one of the the chief differences between really – uh, great golfers and pros and amateurs is balance. I think that um, it's so important to create that balance and stability, uh, have a, a, a strong foundation, know how to use your lower body properly, be, have the proper um, strength in your legs and also in your upper body, be stretched so that you can have the extensions in your backswing uh, through the ball, follow through. There are a lot of aspects of the swing. And um, and along with the fitness part of the exercises, I built in what I call swing patterning because this is also something that helps that, that differentiates beginning, intermediate, and pro golfers or really advanced golfers, and that is their ability to have a consistent golf swing, one that they can count on, and that they've grooved in, and they've grooved it in over time. Um, so I've developed, along with the uh, – or built in, really, to the fitness exercises – is what I call swing patterning, patterning your backswing, your downswing impact motion, your follow-through. And these exercises can be done. They can be done inside at home, outside in your yard, at the park, obviously on the driving range and the golf course, um, because, you know, this, this ability to have proper positions, proper transitions, proper setup, these are essentials. And I think that intermediate golfers can move off of that plateau where so many get stuck for a long time and aren't able to, you know, drop their handicaps more, really make the improvements they're looking for. I think that some of the keys do lie in fitness and, and in developing that repetitive, consistent, proper swing motion. And it's really possible to do that. One of the problems is that People, uh, your average golfer doesn't get out to the golf course enough, and right now we're all pretty much stuck uh, at home, and not completely, right. but a lot. So being able to practice, to get your golf club, work on your fitness, work on your swing, work on all those movements, get that consistency. You can groove that in, and you can do it right now wherever you are. So it's actually a perfect time to kind of take that approach, I would say. Um, so I, I really want to, you know, encourage people to use this time and not say, oh, I can't do anything because I'm stuck at home or I can't get to the golf course. Um, that's that's never true. And even, you know, if it, if it wasn't coronavirus time, it could be raining, it could be winter. Uh, <clears throat> but these, doing these kinds of exercises, getting that golf club in your hand, moving your body, working on the aspects of your swing and really developing the kind of uh, strength, foundation, and in terms of moving towards the pre-shot routine, it's so important to develop focus, to have control uh, from your mind to your body, to know what your body parts are doing, and to build that 
mind body um, kind of uh, focus and connection because that's what you're going to take when you uh, into your pre shot routine and then when you're actually standing at the ball making your swing. I agree 100%. Uh, some great uh, great points that you made, uh, Jamie. You know, Sue, one of the problems, as, as Jamie pointed out right now, of course, with, with all that's going on in the world, it's uh, certainly difficult for, for some, maybe not for all, but uh, maybe to make it out in the golf course uh, and uh, they're kind of stuck at home. Uh, but when we do get back out, in, out uh, in sort of full swing, if you will, no pun intended, um, another area <laughs> that, yeah, Another area that a lot of our, and, and, and just to, to bring you up to speed, what we're talking about here uh, is particularly the intermediate golfer, um, but we're sort of touching on all golfers, beginners, intermediate, and then, of course, uh, I sort of lumped the advanced and pro uh, into a category as well. And I want to get just give the, the listeners uh, a little bit of perspective here so they understand really truly the difference as far as from scoring. Um, uh, your beginning golfers typically... Uh, in most cases, obviously some exceptions, typically our average scores are 100 and, and uh, above. Uh, intermediates uh, can range anywhere from about 85 to 100, and that doesn't mean that they can't occasionally shoot lower or, uh, or certainly higher, but that's generally, uh, <coughs> pardon me, sort of an industry average. Our more advanced players, um, before we get to the professional level, are somewhere uh, in the 70 to 85 range uh, that obviously are playing fairly consistently. And, of course, our uh, professional golfers, um, tend to consistently in most cases. And that doesn't mean they don't have some bad rounds along the way, um, but they're averaging pretty much below 70. Uh, so they're breaking par on a, on a pretty regular basis. One of the reasons they do that, and many of our beginners and intermediates don't, is they know how far they hit each club, uh, particularly their irons. Talk a little bit about that, and if you want to add some points uh, about pre-shot routine and, and also warm-up as well, you're, you're more than welcome to, uh, to chime in there. Um, but uh, I also want you to talk a little bit about really understanding the distance um, and how important that is to understand the distance, how far you hit each club, why it's important, because a lot of people don't really understand that, especially our beginner and intermediate golfers. Um, Sue? Yeah, I think, and especially beginners, you know, um, the difficulty with beginners is the consistency with the distance. Um, you know, sometimes they come to us and they say that, you know, I'm hitting all this, the clubs the same distance or I'm hitting this club, and, but I can't hit this club and that kind of stuff. And, and that's the struggle, um, you know, for a lot of beginners to figuring out what the distance really is because the consistency on the club face isn't happening as, as consistent as they'd like. Um, and then as, as they get a little bit better. And, and I think that's why, um, you know, when they go out to the driving range or doing some practicing that, you know, they get some type of feedback and some type of reinforcement from either a coach or an instructor um, so that they, they don't beat themselves up too too much you know, mentally um, to right. understand that, okay, it's, it's going to be a process. And, yeah, I think in regards to intermediates, I think players, um, a lot of them don't know how far they hit things or, you know, they might play different golf courses. Um, but I think it's really important that, you know, they find some type of a measurement tool and they start tracking some of that. Um, whether or not it's on the scorecard or whether or not they're on they're on their cell phone or something like that so that they can come up with some type of an average. I mean, I know a lot of people are looking at TrackMan and saying, well, you know, I can go to a, a place that has TrackMan and show me um, show me distances and things like that. But I think there's just – there's no um, no better place than on the golf course because of the, of the conditions um, that change on a daily basis. So I think that um, – understanding, you know, how far you hit clubs are really important um, because as we all know that 
when you're standing over a golf ball. If you're not confident or if you're not sure of what you're going to be doing, usually the outcome isn't what we get, <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't a good outcome, I should say. Um, in regards to, you know, pre-shot routine, and that's part of, part of it. It's like, you know, we, we talk about when you're standing over a golf ball, what, who do you want to be, you know, and then the sense of how do you want to be. Um, if you're thinking about mechanics over the golf ball, you're probably not going to execute it very well. And so what I teach a lot of my players is, you know, who do you want to be? Let's create that person that who, instead of having a person who is trying, let's have a person that walk up there that you trust yourself, that you know, that you know, like, you know, like, you know, that you're going to be able to, you know, perform and execute this shot. Um, and that takes time. And that takes um, a little bit of a, what I call a little bit of a, you know, routine, I want to say routine, but a ritual in the sense that what do you want to do when you, when you go up to a shot and everybody's different. Um, and, and I know that, you know, with um, a lot of studies that people have done, especially Vision 54 and a lot of the other um, TPIs and um, other people that have done a lot of the research, we know that once people are getting ready to hit a shot, you know, they've got to go ahead and execute it within six to eight seconds. Otherwise, their brain is going to start just exploding with different thoughts about either, okay, well, what if? And it's usually the what if is usually a negative, not a what if positive. So mm-hmm. um, appreciate routine is really important. So that's my opinion in regards to that. Um, I hope I clarified that. No, uh, you did a great job. Thank you, as always. Um, you know, John, the other, um, the other side of the coin, if you will, is in addition to knowing the distance that we're hitting clubs, is understanding the yardage to specific targets for each shot. That's, you know, just as important. I mean, it's great to know that you're hitting, um, you know, uh, let's say you're seven iron, you're hitting 150 yards on average. Um, but if you don't know the distance to a specific target, whether, um, you know, it'd be uh, advancing the ball up to the fairway to a specific target or uh, even approach on the green, that's another area that we have to uh, focus on as well. And this is something, again, that our beginners and our intermediate, uh, intermediate golfers rarely do. So talk a little bit about that, understanding the yardage is not just so much how far you're hitting clubs, but uh, understanding yardages as far as our targets and, uh, and how we sort of put that together um, and making informed decisions. Well, the first thing that I encourage uh, when I'm working with a student is I want them to know their carry distance. That's the most important part, especially when you're talking about your irons, uh, because um, I see a lot of people who, who hit balls uh, and, and their ball may go 100 yards but when it hits the ground, it rolls 30 or 40 yards. Well, they're not hitting a very playable trajectory. That's not a shot that's going to do well when you hit into the greens. You're not going to be able to attack a pin or go at a pin if your ball is hitting and releasing like that. So obviously, there's something that they're work, you know, that needs to be worked on in their in their fundamentals to get them more of a playable playable trajectory. So I want them to know. Uh, when they when they're hitting a shot and what I recommend that you do is is when you're out there on the golf course and I think that that it's that's the best place to, to measure all this stuff you the, the track man and the indoor stuff is great for a ballpark but when you the real world is what really matters is when you get out there on the golf course and when you hit a shot what you need to do is is mark off the yardage from where you are to your ball mark if your ball hits the green you want to find your ball mark. So the next time that you hit a shot and you see a ball mark, try to figure out the distance, uh, you know, from where you're hitting from 
to that ball mark. That's one of the first things that's important because, you know, you cannot count roll in when you're factoring because a lot of times when you're hitting, when you're hitting into greens, you can't, uh, if you, and you're going over a lake or something like that, you can't say, well, I normally hit my seven iron a hundred, you know, 150 yards. If you're hitting shots that are only carrying 120 yards, that's not going to carry a 150 yard shot over the water. So it's very important that you know the carry distance, and and I think the golf course is obviously the best place, you know, to 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 learn that. Um, and then you know from there, um, you know, obviously the more you practice your irons. I mean, one of the things that that um, you, when you look at good players, I, I remember when I was in the North Florida section, David Duvall, when he was the number one player in the world, he came to our section and spoke, and he said, "There's very few pins that I actually fire at." Uh, that I'll actually hit shots at. He said, normally, if the pin is on the left-hand side of the green, I'm going to be aiming to the right of the pin. If the pin's on the right-hand side of the green, I'm going to be aiming to the left of the pin. If the pin's in the back of the green, I'm going to hit a shot that's going to come up short. If the pin's on the front of the green, I'm going to hit a shot that's going to carry to the middle of the green and try to bring it back. So tour players are not judging their carry distance to the flag. They're trying to find a safe zone to land the ball. And if you can't hit a playable trajectory, then you're not going to be able to go at a lot of flags unless it just happens to be in the middle of the green. So I would encourage all of the students to get with your PGA golf professional, take a lesson and get out on the golf course and work with your scoring irons. I'm not talking about with your five irons and four irons. But get your wedges out and go out there on the golf course and start learning your carry distance. If you know your carry distance, then that way you know when you're on the golf course and you have to go over water, you may have to take that extra club, put your ego aside, take the extra club or two, make sure and get it over the water, and you're going to lower your scores uh, just by by hit, playing a lot smarter golf. Don't You don't have to revamp your golf swing. You know, knowledge is really important on the golf course, and that and the best place to learn that is on the golf course. Well said. Uh, some again, some great points, John. Thank you, um, Jamie. Uh, John's very graciously just given us a good lead into uh, my next question, uh, and he touched a little bit about it without actually really coming out and saying it. But that's course management. Um, you know, we once we learn how to do a lot of the individual things, whether it's uh, our fundamentals and pre-shot routines and and getting an understanding of how far we hit and everything. Uh, now we've got to kind of put it together and manage ourselves as we go around the course. So talk a little bit about that. And again, you know, we're, we're really wanting to focus on beginner and, and more importantly, even the intermediate golfers. Cause as you know, was pointed out earlier, um, you know, a lot of our intermediate golfers, they get, you know, they've, they've shaved a few strokes off. They've get a, a general understanding of how things go, but then they sort of plateau. Um, and more often than not, it's not necessarily, their ball striking, that's the problem. It's their course management. So maybe talk a little bit about that and, number one, why it's important and how they can capitalize and utilize some of the uh, different tools uh, in order to accomplish that. Well, just to differentiate a little bit, uh, course management isn't really an issue for beginners, I would say. Um, and I don't think they should sort of trouble this, themselves with that because – just learning the course itself and understanding the tee boxes and the greens and the distances and, you know, all these basics uh, is really what's important there. Uh, Also, um, 
you know, uh, the thing is, as I was listening to John, um, in terms of kind of understand, I, I like the idea of, uh, you know, what's your carry distance. That is, again, that's not uh, so much a, a beginner's, but I think it's very much a, of an intermediate kind of concern. So, and that is part, of course, management. Um, you you want to start thinking about, you know, wh- where do I want to hit the ball? Where is, um, you know, wh- where do I want to be? If, uh, you know, where's the, the pin on the green? Where's the trouble? Where do I need to play, try to place my, my drive? At least roughly, you know, the right, middle, center, same thing on second shot. Where do I want to land? Uh, 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 am I comfortable with a 60-yard shot uh, to the green? Or would I rather leave the ball at 80 yards or 100 yards or even 40 yards? These kinds of things. A person needs to get to know themselves, but also, I think, to get to know their shots. So intermediate uh, players many times are actually still working a lot on on their shots, on their shot making. Uh, but I think it's the um, sort of the mental attitude there. It's also understanding that you want to think about where do you want to place the ball, where's a good miss. <laughs> and uh, I also really love to do um, um, what I call trouble shot schools. And that is to put people in a position where they're maybe in a bad lie or in long grass or they've got to hit a shot kind of low under the trees. Uh, because when you get into a difficult position, particularly as a kind of intermediate player, a place that you often lose shots is in these sort of trouble positions that physically it may be more difficult to make a shot, but mentally they get knocked out of their comfort zone and start to get anxious or, or afraid of that shot, losing confidence. So I think that part of that there's a, a physical skills part of course management, and then there's also the, the mental part of that. And the physical part is to be able to, uh, you know, have enough uh, shots in your repertoire and enough ways to think about where do you want to leave the ball, what happens if you get into trouble, do you feel confident that you have that shot in your bag, that you, that you can get back into play, that you can recover well, that you can keep uh, the, that you, that you get good at disaster management and keeping those big blow-up holes or uh, blow-up numbers down. So I think that it's a combination of just really continuing to solidify your actual skills, um, the ability to hit different kinds of shots from different kinds of places, and then how you think about how you're how you're uh, playing each hole. That's and then the mental part of how am I playing this hole, and how am I going to handle if I get into uh, into a situation that's, that's going to unnerve me. So as you know, Ted, I teach a lot about being centered, how we can calm our stress uh, reactions, our biochemistry that starts to uh, create sweaty palms and nervousness and shakiness and all of a sudden uh, knocks or affects our breathing so that all of a sudden we can't make even the swings that we know we have just because we've sort of lost our, um, our, our mental balance and our emotional balance. So, you know, these are part of the, the course management as well. I don't think you can separate mind management from course management and also the the physical abilities, which has to do with, of course, taking some good lessons and doing some practice so that you do create that kind of physical ability and, and confidence. Some great points. Uh, well said, Jamie. Um, you know, Sue, we, we always hear about the short game. And, you know, if, if you watch the pros, uh, they're almost always, uh, certainly a very high percentage, getting up and down, if you will, uh, if they miss the greens. Um, 
you know, Tiger, you know, I, I use him as an example because he has really been throughout his career and, you know, there's been some shaky seasons along the way, but for the most part, he's been really superb from tee to green. And, and really it's this uh, short game that has really kept him in, 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 in uh, a situation on each hole uh, to avoid, you know, that dreaded bogey uh, or double bogey that we often see with many of our higher handicap players. So maybe just talk a little bit about the short game um, and how, again, more so our intermediate golfers who seem to plateau a lot more often. Uh, and again, you can certainly uh, talk a little bit about beginning golfers, but particularly the, um, our intermediate golfers, um, what are some of the benefits that they can get and what are some things that you would suggest to really help hone in and tighten up that short game? Well, I would, first of all, I would tell them, you know, in regards to short game is ask them what, what's their percentage of score that involves pitching, chipping, and putting. And I think you'd be very surprised that they wouldn't know. I think they'd probably understand that, oh, you know, maybe my putting is might be 30, maybe 30% or 40%. Um, and so I run a lot of short game boot camps and we run like two to three hours and we, we talk about putting, chipping, and pitching and how important it is and why is it so important? Because it's about if you total up those uh, strokes of pitching, chipping, and putting, it's about 65% of their score. And when I tell them that, they're like shocked. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, and to, to Jamie's point too, is usually short game shots are the, are the most, um, what I want to call, um, I'm struggling, having struggling struggle shots, but um, are the ones that are usually are players are most confused about. So they don't pay attention to the lie, or maybe they don't have enough wedges. Um, maybe they're using the wrong club um, in certain situations. Uh, and especially like Jamie was saying, it's like when, when you have a, a difficult lie, what do you do with it? And when the pin is tight, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of of practicing short game. If somebody only has, you know, if they play two to three times a month and they practice two to three times a month, you know, especially intermediate players, I will ask them, like, how much time are you spending on your short game in regards to pitching and chipping and, um, you know, even in putting? And then how are they practicing in, in the sense? Are they just, you know, dumping a big bucket of balls and say, oh, yeah, I practice my pitching and I just, you know, I hit a shot and then I'll rake a ball and I'll hit a shot. And I'm like, well, no, are you hitting it to different targets? Do you know how to hit a 12-yard pitch shot? Or do you know how to hit a 12-yard chip shot? That type of thing. So um, breaking the practice up, again, just, we always say purposeful practice, is why are you doing what you're doing? Um, understanding, you know, maybe they don't, like I said before, they don't, maybe they don't have, maybe they only have a pitching wedge and a sand wedge. And well, let's talk to them about maybe we should get a, understand why you want to have a gap wedge or, Maybe depending on the situations of this, the golf course that you play at, maybe you have elevated greens. Well, if you have elevated greens, you need more loft in your wedges type of thing. Um, so understanding that if it's 65% of your score, boy, we better be, you know, teaching people how to practice the short game, how to practice different pitches in, in difficult lies or uphill lies or downhill lies, whatever it may be. Um, but really just be a proponent about, okay, if it's, if we don't have a lot of time, then we should be practicing. The fastest way to get better is is to practice 65% of your game. 
So let's find out what's going on with putting. Let's find out what's going on with chipping. Let's find out let's find out what's going on with your pitching, um, that type of thing. And they'll tell you. They're like saying, well, um, when I ask my players in my uh, short game boot camps, I'll ask them, what's the difference between chipping and pitching? And I will say uh, at least 60 to 70% of them, they don't know the difference. And that's just because it's not taught. So I just think it's uh, it's a very important part of the game. And it's the fastest way to get better. You can drop five to 10 strokes if you can get the ball up and down a lot better, just like the professionals. Some great points. And, you know, just to, to really emphasize on one that you mentioned very early on, and that's, um, you know, understanding and knowing the statistics um, of your game. Uh, you know, that's a great way to start improving your game right there is to know um, by keeping stats um, what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. You know, how many greens are you, mm-hmm. are you hitting in regulation? How many, you know, putts per round? How many, you know, ups and downs are you making uh, at any given round that you're playing? <clears throat> Pardon me. And having that information pretty much tells you, as you pointed out, whether it's, you know, chipping or, or pitching and what have you, pretty much tells you what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. But as exactly. you mentioned, you know, a lot of times we see, you know, the old raking the ball across and hitting a shot and raking another one across, and it just, you know, uh, they never improve. And I think the other point that you really uh, mentioned is is purple, purposeful practice and or practicing with a purpose. Um, you need to get out there and have a game plan, and one of the best ways to do that is understanding how you are doing, and that's where the stats come in. John, I want to... Uh, jump back Ted? to you. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jamie. Yeah, I just wanted to, um, if you don't mind, jump in just for a second on that uh, to underscore okay. uh, the point that, that Sue's making as, you know, the importance of the short game. And I think, you know, getting people's buy-in on that, uh, certainly giving them the stats and people realize, oh, my God, this is a huge part of my, my score <laughs> and, and what I'm doing on the golf course, uh, you know, for four or five hours. And the other part is that, uh, you know, if people understand that the, you know, the the motion in short shots is really, uh, I think, the way I teach it is the kind of microcosmic, the core of the full swing. So if you understand that while you're practicing your short shots, you're actually practicing the, the core of the full swing. So it's not like they're unrelated. Um, and another mm-hmm. thing is that I always, um, you know, I think about, um, you know, how uh, Tiger and some greats learn to play, and they actually learn to play from green to tee, not from tee to green. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're all born uh, small, right? We're little babies. we got to learn to walk and talk. We go to school, you know, and we grow up. And so I always think of we – no one popped out of the womb a full adult, but most people want to just grab a driver and work on their, their full swing. But building it up and – also starting your fitness uh, with the short uh, clubs, which is what the, uh, the tour pros do. So that it's kind of that uh, small, that uh, micro to the macrocosm, and the micro being the short game, macro being the, the full swing and the long game. So I think if we really can get buy-in from our students, and as Sue was saying, um, you know, help them to, to focus on that part of the game and realize just how much it has to do with their uh, swinging their driver and, you know, all the, the sort of more uh, – you know, glamorous parts of the game. Well said. I couldn't agree more. Um, you're exactly right. You know, I think that, um, you know, people need to understand the correlation between the two. And, and you know, sometimes they they don't understand that. And obviously this is where we need, as professionals, we need to, to uh, sort of step in and, and help uh, guide them through that process. John, the question I had for you <clears throat> was was kind of to 
to springboard off of what Sue had mentioned, um, you know, about using different clubs. One of the things that's really interesting to me uh, uh, about uh, our higher handicap players and, and more importantly, our intermediate players is, you know, we've all got 14 clubs in the bag, but for some reason, a lot of our golfers tend to stick with, you know, maybe half of those. Uh, and um, they don't often utilize um, and are not creative enough to, to think, okay, well, instead of hitting a wedge here, maybe I could use my nine iron or maybe I could even use a seven iron in this particular situation. They're not very creative. How can we help students utilize a little bit more? I mean, if we're going to be giving them 14 clubs in their bag, it would make sense to get um, good use in any given round of all those 14 clubs. Now, I'm not necessarily going to hit every single one every round, but there may be opportunities that we could utilize more of them than what they currently are. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Well, I think uh, the, the place that I, the biggest mistake that I see uh, when it comes to the, to the use of the clubs is in the short game. Um, is that people rely on just one club. They'll, they'll, I had a, I had a lady one time I was doing a clinic and, and she said, no, I always use my seven iron around the green. And I said, well, so I took her and I put her, I get, I basically put her in a situation where she had to hit a flop shot over the bunker. And I said, you're going to tell me that you would use your seven iron here. And she goes, well, you know, maybe not always. And so I told her, I said, she was, so in her mind, so convinced that that was the only club that she could really use around the green. I know that that's a little bit, um, maybe not a, uh, that doesn't apply to all players, but if you, you would be surprised when you look at the intermediate golfers out there, how many of them always use their sand wedge and, and they'll have a situation where their ball will only be three or four yards off the green and they'll have 40 or 50 uh, feet of green to work with. And so what I always do is I say, all right, I said, we're going to have a little, I'm, I'm going to do a little illustration here. I want you to hit your shot. And when they hit their shot, I mark where their ball lands. And now if you're going to use the sand wedge and you have all that green to work with, your ball is going to have to carry almost all the way to the hole. And so then I, I go up and I'll pull out maybe a seven iron or eight iron, depending on the situation. And I'll hit a shot and I'll show them where my ball lands. Now my ball is going to land maybe two, three yards on the green. And so I, I always use the analogy of basketball. I said, if we're playing basketball and my team gets to shoot layups and your team gets to shoot three-pointers, who's going to win the game? And he said, well, your team's going to win. And I said, that's because my team is shooting closer to the target. And, and in golf, you always want to bring the target to you. It's much easier when the target is two is, – when I only have to hit the ball a few yards – and let the ball do the work. And this is really what I learned from Phil Rogers. Phil Rogers used to call it walking the dog. He'd say, you know, you hit that ball on the green, and you just let it walk to the hole. You don't need to carry the ball to the hole. And if students will learn to use their seven iron, I use when I teach chipping. In fact, I just did a post today on chipping, uh, and I put it on It's on my Facebook page. And, um, and basically – uh, you're, when you're chipping, you're using a lofty club with a putting motion. And that, that's the simplest way using your six iron, seven, eight, nine pitching wedge. It's much easier to learn one motion. So I can teach in five or 10 minutes, I can teach a student, a, a, you know, a middle handicap uh, golfer. I can teach them the motion 
And then I just have to teach them, okay, on the longer shots, you're going to use the six and seven irons and the eight irons. On the shorter shots, you're going to use the, the nine iron and the pitching wedge. And once they understand the motion and just a, an understanding of their club selection, uh, they're going to improve immediately. And if you think about it, you change your club on the golf course all the time in the fairway. But around the greens, people don't want to change their clubs. And so they think that there's going to be too, they're going to make a mistake or it's going to be too difficult. But it's actually one motion with a lot of different, a different uh, basically shots that you can hit. And that makes you more creative because now you have more shots in your arsenal. And so because what, if, you're, if you're only working on one shot, there's no way that one shot is going to fit into every situation you get on the golf course. So I'm always encouraging people to use different clubs. I want them to pick the club that's the, the, the right club that, you know, for the situation, because again, the seven iron is not always going to work around the green, nor is the lob wedge always going to work around the green. Every situation is different. You have to, ha you have to understand that, but understanding the shot that you're trying to hit and then having a plan for it gives you a much better chance of executing it. Well said, John. You know, it reminds me of a very interesting video that was done years ago. Uh, in fact, it was probably out on VHS, which, you know, we don't see uh, uh, very seldomly anymore, but uh, it was by Tom Kite, who was uh, a really, uh, a, a, in my opinion, um, a, a very stellar short game uh, player. And he was really one of the early ones on tour. I won't necessarily say that he was the first, but he was one of the early players that started using four wedges, started carrying four wedges in his bag. And I remember in the video, he talked about how each club he actually was able to use for different shots. And what he did is he could change the distance with each club with very, very minor uh, changes. And mo more often than not, it was uh, he would grip down uh, a little bit lower on the, on the grip um, and still swing basically the same and get different distances. So he was able to alter the distances without really making a lot of changes. And so really, even though we have 14 clubs in the bag, you really have more than, than that many shots that potentially you can hit. Just because your seven iron, as we said earlier, may average 150 yards if you're hitting it normal, um, but choking down, you might uh, be able to hit 130 yards or a little bit further, you might get you know, 120 yards uh, without really making a lot of changes to your swing or your setup. Um, so there's really an arsenal of shots within everybody's golf bag um, and a lot of clubs to do it with. It's just a matter of, as we've talked about before, is you've got to get out there and practice and you've got to work on these things and, and don't be afraid to experiment. And the best way to do that is, you know, as we all know, is is go and take some lessons and, and talk to your pro and say, look, I, I really want to, um, understand how to use the clubs in my bag. Don't just say, well, I want to hit my, my driver straighter or I want to you know, putt a little bit better. Those are important things as well. But understanding how to actually use the equipment in that golf bag and get the most out of it is going to tremendously shave a lot of strokes off of your game. And I think this is where many of our amateurs go wrong is they focus on the wrong things. Um, all right, Jamie, I'm gonna, we're going to kind of do a little bit of a speed round here for the last couple of questions because we're getting ready close to our time. So but I want you, and the last question for you is really talk a little bit about the wind. Um, you know, we get some windy conditions out there. Uh, it doesn't really matter where you're playing, uh, whether you're West Coast, East Coast. Um, wind sometimes comes up. This can be a challenge for even some of the best players out there. Give us some tips on how, 
for our intermediate or amateur players uh, how to best handle themselves in a windy condition? The first thing that I think we all need to have in our golf swing period is stability, which is a solid base. You've got to, uh, you know, we don't think that the golf swing has a lot of footwork just because we're not running around like on a basketball court or a football field or something, but um, there is definitely a lot of footwork in terms of being present, having a lot of presence and balance in your feet, knowing uh, you, you keep that left foot down, how the right foot uh, comes up if you're a righty, vice versa if you're a lefty. So this matter of stability uh, is essential to make centered contact and a consistent swing. When it comes to the wind, stability is really your friend. And if you don't have it, you're going to be pushed around by the wind. What can we say? So, um, you know, that's the first thing. Uh, stability is also very important when you're looking at uh, uphill and downhill lies, this sort of thing. Um, also, make, just making uh, consistent contact. So I would say the probably the most important thing is to be able to find your balance, find your stability, uh, keep a lot of uh, presence and strength in the legs, work on some of your leg muscles. Um, again, the golf swing, I, for me, I think should be built from the ground up. So, um, you know, you're already ahead of the game when it comes to, to playing in the wind. Then you've got to look at, of course, which way is the wind blowing. So the classic is to, uh, you know, toss a couple blades of grass up in the air and look at, is it, you know, which way, which way do they go? Are they moving to the left? Are they moving to the right so which way is the wind coming from from what direction therefore what where is it likely to affect the ball once you get the ball in the air is it going to be pushing it to the left more or pushing it to the right is the wind in your face and we talk about is it a one club a two club a three club wind uh, it's interesting there's some as i'm thinking throughout this hour as we're uh, talking about some of the differences between beginner, intermediate, and advanced players. There's so many things that more advanced players just take for granted. I mean, they're obviously thinking about which way is the wind blowing and, you know, how, how do I need to hit a, a five iron here instead of my six or seven because the wind's in my face or vice versa, drop that down. Uh, the wind's at my back, so I, I don't need as much club. The wind's going to give it some help. But uh, beginner play, players, they need to hear about this, and intermediate players really need to start to get comfortable uh, with those kinds of uh, considerations. And a lot of times we need to help them to think about those things and to learn how their distances are affected, how they can keep their stability so that, you know, they aren't pushed around by, by the wind. And again, it's always a matter of getting comfortable, getting out in those conditions, playing in them, um, being okay in your mind. Uh, a lot of times we have a mindset of like, uh-oh, it's windy. I can't hit this shot. I can't play in the wind. I'm not comfortable or I don't have enough uh, firepower. But it's just a question of embracing it, saying, hey, I love the wind. It's fine. It's fun. It's different. And then knowing the effects of the uh, the, the force of the wind, which direction it's coming from, how's that going to affect your swing and how's that going to affect your ball flight? Well said. Um, great answer, Jamie. Um, Sue, another area that uh, a lot of our, uh, particularly our intermediate or in amateur golfers struggle with, and uh, as we know, you know, we're not always going to be faced with perfect lies out on the golf course. Uh, we don't have that nice flat surface uh, for every shot. Sometimes we get uh, on a downhill or a side hill or a little both. Um, and uh, so, so our uneven lies are an area that many, many golfers struggle with. Even the pros sometimes have difficulties, uh, depending on the severity of the slope. Um, let's talk a little bit about that uh, in our remaining few minutes uh, before we wrap up uh, this segment. Um, really how to best handle uh, situations where we're faced with an uneven lie. 
Well, to Jamie's point in regards to you, got, you have to have stability on even lie. Um, that is one of the things. And I think the other thing is you need to educate your golfers about what direction the golf ball is going to go based on the loft of the club that you have in your hand. So a lot of the times people don't understand the physics of uneven lies when they put a low lofted club on a downhill lie or a um, low lofted club on a side hill lie because the lie of the, the, lie of the club definitely changes um, when you go when the ball's above your feet or when the ball's below your feet or if you're going on an uphill slope or a downhill slope. And I think um, just educating them as regards to the physics of what loft, how the loft and lie changes on each of those uh, four different lies um, would be, I mean, a great thing to do is just go find a mound out on the driving range that has an uphill, downhill, side hill, ball below your feet lie, and walk through those situations because you could have a great lie on an uphill lie meaning the ball sitting up, or you can have a ball, a, a lie that's sitting down on an uphill lie. That's two different types of shots. Um, the same thing when the ball is below your feet. If it, is it a good lie or is it a not-so-good lie or a bad lie? Um, but I think educating the, the golfer to understand what the, the clubs will do because as uh, you change loft, the direction changes um, based on the shot. So... Um, I have a like a I have a two-headed club that I use with eight, Henry Griffiths, and we stick a shaft in it. We show them when we put that club down on the ground. We have a wedge on the top, and we have a two-iron on the bottom, and they're they're welded together. And you put a shaft in it, and you can visually see. And so we walk over to an uneven lie, for example, on an uphill lie, and you can definitely see when you take that wedge going up that uphill lie, that wedge is going to go. Um, so far left, they're like, wow, I never really realized that. But when you have a lower lofted club, it's going to go left to the left, speaking for a right-handed player, as of course, and it would be the opposite for a left-handed player. But understanding the physics of that, I think you just you have to teach the players um, the physics of the golf club in regards to how the loft and lie changes based on those four different um what I want to say, lie angles or um, uneven lies of the uphill, the downhill, the ball above your feet and the ball below your feet. So it's really important because how many times do you have when you play golf that you're on a flat lie? I mean, usually if you miss a fairway, you're not going to be on a flat lie. Something's going to be, um, you know, off. Either the ball's going to be sitting down, you know, a little bit in the rough, or it might be a little bit on an uneven lie. It might be just right in front of the bunker, a little bit on the uphill slope. So it's important to cut, to um, educate our golfers what happens to the golf ball when you're on an uneven lie. Well said. And, and you know, um, the other thing to that is, you know, even in the middle of a fairway, a lot of people, when they're thinking of uneven lies, they're thinking of severe um, uneven lies. And they think, well, you know, this is not so bad. I'm out in the middle of the fairway. And yeah, the ball's a little bit below my feet, but it's really not going to affect it that much. And you'd be surprised that even just a few degrees, uh, how much it can affect the ball. So making those setup changes and adjustments uh, and even club selection become more critical in those situations than actually they do in a perfect uh, even lie um, uh, when you're out there on the golf course. So, you know, it, it's really, really important. And what I often try to do, uh, and certainly it's not always available everywhere, 
but um, many of the uh, practice facilities or driving ranges, if, if you're not out on the golf course yet and you want to practice these, um, a lot of them on the end, uh, either side of the range, quite, more often than not, might have some slightly hilly areas. And as long as you're not, uh, you know, uh, doing anything uh, that you shouldn't be doing or, or interfering with anybody else's game, I like to sometimes drop a few balls because it gives me those uneven lies and I'll hit them out, uh, you know, on the range. It gives me practice there. So try to practice them whenever uh, you can. Uh, and, uh, again, experiment with the different clubs in your bag to find out which one is giving you best. And, and the other thing, too, I think to need to remember in situations like that, especially for some of our golfers that aren't as experienced or advanced, um, sometimes you might have to take a, a lesser club. You know, as an example, again, if you've got, you know, 140 or 150 yards and, um, you know, you're not sure you're going to be able to get there. Sometimes it's better, even if you have to lay up a little bit, just to make sure you hit a good shot. So if you're trying to do the hero shot and you're trying to go for it uh, and you're not really experienced hitting off an uneven lie, sometimes it's just to advance a little bit further up, give yourself a better opportunity with a, a flatter, uh, easier lie and pitch it up on the green from there. And you might lose a stroke, but sometimes it can be a lot worse. So you have to use your head sometimes, your noggin. That's where course management comes in. All right, guys, well, I want to thank you very much uh, for doing a, a fantastic job tonight in Coach's Corner, as always. I know you guys do, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the season. I think we're going to do a lot of great uh, things on the show. We're going to really uh, start pushing the boundaries a little bit with some different uh, discussions, and um, I, I really appreciate it. So I'm going to give each of you uh, a quick opportunity here just to let the folks know um, if they can't uh, get out and work with you directly because of uh, our current situation, I know that uh, all of you uh, have uh, different uh, ways of, of communicating online and so forth uh, to help them with their game. So, John, if you want to go first, then Jamie, then Sue. Well, thanks again, Ted, and Jamie and Sue. I really enjoyed uh, tonight's show. Uh, for the listeners out there, if you want to go to uh, golfswing.com forward slash John Decker, and I spell my first name uh, J-O-N, John Decker. Um, I have over 300 videos on the golfswing.com website. Uh, I'm on Facebook under John Decker Golf Instruction, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I have about 200 videos on YouTube. I'm also uh, on a podcast with uh, with Dr. Angelica Napolitano, and uh, the name of the podcast is Golf Swing RX: The Prescription for Your Game. And it, wherever you download your podcast, you can you can listen to that. Um, and then my book, Golf Is My Life: Glorifying God Through the Game, can be found on Barnes and Noble and Amazon websites. And if you're interested in starting a Bible study, or if you're interested in um, me as a public speaker or coming and doing a clinic at your facility, um, I can I can come to your facility uh, and do any of those things. But uh, again, Ted, thank you. And Jamie and Sue, I hope you have a great season. Thank you very much, John. Uh, Jamie, go ahead. How can, the, how can the listeners reach out and, and um, get in touch with you? Well, the most direct way is my website, which is kiigolf.com k-i-a-i golf.com <clears throat> and i'm launching a new website it will be out there pretty soon it's called the centeredway.com uh, but if you go to kiigolf.com it will take you to a lot of the um, kinds of um, trainings and uh, speaking uh, that i do 
we have just digitized my Kiai Golf Instructional Series, so that will be available, I believe, within even a few days or a week. Um, so that will be available and at a discounted price right now. Uh, a lot of the fitness, golf fitness, and swing patterning people can do at home, ideas that they need for their golf swing. So, um, you know, people can also message me or send me a, uh, through Facebook. Uh, my Facebook page, of course, is the Kiai Way and Kiai Golf or Jamie Zimron, Jamie Leno Zimron. I also do the old-fashioned way. I am happy to field phone calls. I love to talk to folks. So that's 760-492-GOLF. And I also want to invite everybody to a webinar I'll be doing for the LPGA. It's April 27th, 2 o'clock Eastern Time, 11 a.m., uh, California time and the webinar is going to be it's called uh, where business meets the green and it's all about using golf as a business tool so that's going to be for professionals as well as anybody interested in business people uh, and it's being sponsored by the LPGA so invite everybody to join in that and I do Skype lessons <clears throat> as well perfect time to work on mental game also the fitness aspect of, uh, of your swing and grooving in a consistent and great tour tour based swing Perfect. Jamie, very quickly, let me just back up a sec. Where uh, can they go to uh, find out more about the webinar that's coming up in April? Is, is there, where should they go be directed to to find that? Well, if you wouldn't mind, we can certainly post it on uh, your page. I'll be posting it on my, uh, both of my um, pages on, uh, you know, on Facebook, also on LinkedIn. And uh, anybody could uh, easily give me, give me a call, drop me a, an email, Jamie, J-M-I-E, at kiigolf.com, K-I-A-I-Golf.com, and I'm happy to send that out. But we'll be posting it as well. And uh, so that, it'll be easy to find that. Okay. Okay. Um, by all means, post it on my, uh, my pages as well. Um, Sue, go ahead. Yeah, you can find me at SueWiegerGolf.com. Um, it's um, S-U-E-W-I-E-G-E-R.com. Um, you can find my um, number one international best-selling book called Golf, The Last Six Inches, How to Change Your Brain, Change Your Game, on Amazon. Um, and um, I'm out in Scottsdale. But, yeah, if you, um, I do a lot of short game and mental um, mental trainings, and I do travel the country as far as, guest speaking and um, uh, mental uh, mental golf training programs. So they can reach me there. And my phone number is 480-392-6563. Perfect. Well, guys, thank you again for uh, doing a great job tonight on, on the Coach's Corner panel. I look forward to you uh, uh, coming back uh, in, uh, in a few more weeks and, uh, and round two, if you will. So thank you very much, guys, and uh, have a great uh, – uh, a great weekend coming up, and uh, stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Take care, everybody. Stay safe and practice at home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was um, John Decker, uh, Jamie Leno-Zimron, and Sue Weger uh, on the Coach's Corner panel tonight. Um, we got a great guest coming up here. I'm going to introduce him. We just ran a minute or two over time, so uh, we will uh, try to speed things along here to catch up. Uh, my special guest tonight is Tom Cox. He's the founder and CEO of GolfBalls.com. Uh, he's a, a former uh, country club manager turned internet entrepreneur uh, back in 1995. Uh, Tom has been involved in launching and helping to start businesses for over 25 years, uh, married to his lovely wife, Susan, and uh, who's also an entrepreneur and father of Thomas, uh, a two-year-old. Uh, so I'm sure that's got some challenges. We'll ask him about that when he comes on. Uh, as I mentioned, he's the founder and CEO of GolfBalls.com, which is a business he co-founded in 1995 and notably was one of the first e-commerce businesses in golf. 
golfballs.com has been named by Inc. Magazine to the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing companies in America uh, eight times. That's uh, accomplished that. He's also the co-founder and volunteer president of Opportunity Machine, a business accelerator. Uh, Tom is also a limited partner in Tectonic Ventures, a venture capital fund focused on technology companies with high growth potential. Uh, he's also a former member of the editorial board of Internet Retailer Magazine and has been a feature speaker at its uh, world conference on topics like social media and employee recruiting. Uh, he's also the past chairman of Lafayette uh, Economic Development Authority, uh, past chairman of Louisiana Workforce Commission, and also the past vice chairman of the Louisiana Immersive uh, Technology Enterprise uh, Center and the past vice president of the Lafayette Chamber of Commerce and also a past member of the Louisiana Innovation Council. So please uh, welcome my very special guest this evening, Tom Cox. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Wow. Well, it's, it's great to be on your show, Ted. Thank, thank you so much for having me on. What, what an introduction. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got quite a, a laundry list of accolades there. So uh, I wanted to, you know, I, it, particularly we're going to talk about some of them, obviously, as we go along. But uh, I wanted to uh, give the listeners an opportunity to, uh, to let them just a little bit more. I mean, I know you're right now, golfballs.com is, is uh, sort of in the forefront, but you've done a lot of great work uh, behind the scenes that maybe some of the folks may not be uh, um, privy to. So I wanted to make sure we got all of that out. But thank you very much, Tom, for, for uh, joining me tonight. And I'm really looking forward to it. You bet. You bet. Happy to be on. So let's sort of get over the elephant in the room, if you will. Obviously, there's a lot going on uh, around the world right now with the, with the virus and that. Um, and so a lot of our, our golfers are you know, some of them are still getting out in the golf course. Some of them are, are a little bit unsure of what to do and that. Um, you've obviously been somebody that follows a lot of the trends and a lot of things that happen in golf. Um, what can the industry as a whole, including yourself, do uh, to sort of overcome this sort of temporary setback? Yeah, so so I, I think I think first that there's people on both sides of this, but but you know, if, right. if you if you were to sit back and and uh, I, I want to say maybe 20 percent uh, of golf courses aren't open for play, 80 percent are open for play, and most of those that are open for play have modified. You know, I, I I think I think about how I play on the weekends, right? And I go, if if I either had my own cart and it was clean, or if I walked, uh, it would probably be the safest place for me to be. Uh, you know, besides my own home. Right. And I, and I'm, again, there, there's, there's certainly people on both sides of that, but uh, fortunately for the golf industry and all of us uh, that are, that are excited about the game uh, there, there is still access in many places throughout, throughout the country. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so the, I think the P, the PGA of America and maybe some other organizations have come out with a list of recommendations for golf courses uh, to, to, to follow, to make, to make play, uh, as safe as possible for golfers. Yeah. And I think also too, Tom, and, and you know, this, um, being an entrepreneur, I mean, many, uh, not only golf courses, but, um, PJ and LPJ pros that, that teach, uh, are, have created some very innovative ways to get those lessons out there. If they can't see people in person, you know, obviously, um, you know, ideally we want to get them out on the golf course and we want to help them, uh, you know, work through their game. But sometimes when that's not possible for a number of reasons, not just what's going, currently going on, but uh, just for, for scheduling and timing, uh, 
many have turned to some great uh, social media platforms, if you will, uh, to get those messages out and to have that interaction, whether it be Skype or, or other uh, forums. So that's something, too, that uh, during this particular moment of time that uh, those in the golf profession that want to continue on uh, can really utilize it at this point. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree with that. I think to the extent that, that uh, instruction can be provided at a distance and whether that distance mm-hmm. is is uh, is kind of in eye shot or whether that distance is remote via Skype or another tool, uh, I think it helps to uh, it helps us all to get through the situation for sure. Right. You know, I, right, I, can, exactly. I can give you for, for yeah. So for, for my for my business, from kind of a ten thousand, you know, we we have uh, really two two parts of our business. We have our direct to consumer business, which has been pretty robust. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, lessened, lessened a little bit, uh, in the last, in the last week or so, but it's been pretty robust and, uh, and our corporate business kind of people buying logos for tournaments and their, and, uh, and trade shows and that, that kind of stuff that, that that's the part of our business that's been, uh, that's been most impacted by, uh, you know, by the, by the current, uh, by the current climate. So let's talk a little bit for those that maybe are not familiar um, um, with golfballs.com. Just walk us through a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the company and a little bit about its history, how sure. it sort of came about. Yeah, so uh, in, in the 90s, I was a young country club manager uh, and, and I had this idea to, uh, you know, it, it, it just, uh, computers were my hobby, golf was my business. And, uh, and in one, one week, uh, I serendipitously had a meeting with guys that dive in the ponds to, to, to look for, uh, to look to, to pull balls out to sell to the club. And that same week I had a meeting with a web developer to, uh, to, to build a website for the, for the country club that I was managing. Cause, uh, cause I kind of felt like that would be a nice way to drive weddings and, uh, and other activities at the club. And, and I, and I, you know, I came up with the idea to start selling uh, golf balls on the internet, right? Just, just like this, this was ni- 1995. And over time, uh, we started off selling used golf balls, uh, and then quickly transitioned uh, to kind of a full line of new products, and then uh, customized products. So really, our market position—if you think about—you uh, know, we, we we say it enough on Golf Channel and all whenever we run commercials, or if you go to the website, we try to we we try to own the position of the world leader in customized golf balls. So if you like alignment aids on your golf, I'm kind of fast forwarding a bit, but if you like uh, right. customized golf products, alignment aids on your golf balls, photos, funny messages, in particular, kind of this whole game improvement alignment that uh, we, we've got, we've got a lot of different solutions for people that, uh, that like to buy customized golf products. Yeah. And, and I, I would agree. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm more familiar than maybe some of our listeners with, uh, with your organization sure. and you definitely are a, a world leader in, in, uh, in golf customization. And, and it's interesting, you know, you mentioned a few of them and, and I want to talk about that before we get into some of the, the current promotions that you're offering. Um, what are some of the popular trends? I mean, you mentioned a few um, with alignment uh, markings and so forth. What are some of the more popular um, that you're finding with, let's say, let's start with consumers as opposed to corporate right now. Yeah, so so uh, about really about five years ago, we started noticing uh, uh, PGA Tour players, and, and maybe it was only about ten percent of them 
would would uh, would use a sharpie and write a line, you know, kind of put that line halfway around the ball. And and we just started noticing more and more uh, over, you know, maybe maybe four and five years ago. And it it kind of grew to about half of the golfers on tour. If you're watching tournament golf on the weekend, you see somewhere around half of the guys with, with, they take the Sharpie and they draw it halfway around the ball. And, and, and I I kept taking pictures of that. This is actually how we, we created the product line. I, I would, I would pause my TiVo and snap pictures of it. And then, and then send it to our, our research and development folks and say, Hey, can we make this? Can we do this? And then like after, after, you know, we had to invent some equipment to do it because it turns out it's not real easy to print a line uh, perfectly straight halfway around, halfway around the golf ball. We launched a product line called the line XL, uh, which mimics that, but it's a heck of a lot better than, than using a Sharpie. And then, and then right. we launched a product line uh, last year, uh, where where we added personalization inside the line, and that's really been a huge uh, a huge part of our business, like uh, consumer business lately, because it's like you have kind of the benefits of the of the of the full blown, you know, tournament caliber alignment aid, but at the same time mm-hmm. you get you get some type of a personalized message or your name or some type of a unique marking on it. So it's a pretty cool product line. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed too that you know you obviously do a lot of team and and obviously um, um, and supporting the military in that by by offering to have those put on for for some of our veterans out there that are golfing and maybe want to have um, their their particular branch uh, that maybe they served in on there. Um, obviously, those are very popular teams and so forth. Having those on. Yeah, you, you bet they are. Late, late last year, we. Uh... We started a partnership with uh, with a company called Team Golf. They've got a really, really big book of licenses in a lot of different, uh, in you know, NFL uh, kind of NCAA and military and kind of kind of whatever you can imagine. They've got a really big book of license. So we 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 have partnered with them to be able to kind of extend uh, the the full collection of teams across uh, uh, across just about every type of golf ball you, you would like to play. So, so, you know, uh, two years ago, you couldn't get, you, you may not have been able to get the type of a particular type of ball that you like to use every weekend to play with a, with, with a particular team logo on it. And so we've, we, we have, uh, we've been able to enable, uh, uh a really a re- very broad selection of military, uh, NCAA, NFL, MLB, and even NHL uh, logos on uh, on a full line of golf full line of golf products. Well, and it's a, it's a great way to you know to tie in a lot of other sports. You know, there's obviously um, you know golfers are not just exclusive to golf. They they enjoy watching whether it be football or baseball or hockey or what have you. Um, You're right. And uh, they they want to be able to to support their. Um, you know, their other favorite, uh, organizations. And, and again, as I mentioned, you know, if they're military or maybe have, um, family members that serve in the military, they might want to, uh, uh to show that. So that's very obviously popular as well. One of the things I always wanted yeah, to you ask, know, you know, uh, sorry, go ahead, please go ahead. Yeah, sure. I, I was going to say, Ted, you know, uh, nobody has to play golf. People play golf because it's fun, right? Like, like right. that's, that's the only reason you go outside and play golf to is, is to have fun. And if you can kind of kind of make it a little bit more fun, that, that that's the whole point of being out there. And so if you can kind of put put a favorite logo 
or or a, or, or a favorite message or a favorite team on your ball. It just makes it a, a little bit more enjoyable for you while you're out there uh, out there playing golf. Right, exactly. Well, and, and, and like you said, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Golf is a fun sport. It's obviously got its challenges, as, as we know, uh, those of us that have been out any time sure. and those of us that are in the, the teaching side of things, we know how, how challenging it can be. Um, but, you know, it just takes that one well-struck shot to, to bring you back, even in, you know, in, in moments of, you know, you want to throw your clubs in the, in the first pond you find um, after a bad round, but you, you remember that great shot you hit on hole number three or hole number four or what have you, and, and uh, it brings you back next weekend. But um, So let me ask you, um, with respect to golf balls, because obviously there are literally – um, hundreds of different options out there, uh, and some certainly have their favorite golf ball that they like to use, and, and that helps in the process. But um, you really have a wide range. You have obviously some of your more premium uh, golf balls that the people can use, uh, and obviously some less expensive as well. So, um, what are you seeing as as far as again, we're going to stick with consumers here for the for the most part. Sure. What are you yep. seeing a trend? Are, people still sticking with some of the more premium brands, um, even though they're a little bit more uh, costly than, than some of the lesser brands, or are you seeing um, a, a, a shift in, in how things are, are being approached? You know, I think right now people are definitely buying uh, uh, promotion on promotional opportunities. And I'll give you an example. Uh, it's good timing today. Uh, we launched uh, Titleist launch day, uh, buy three, get one free on the Pro V1 and AVX, Pro V1 XF, that whole line uh, with free personalization, uh, which, which, is a per, which is a pretty cool offer, right? Like you don't, you don't get to buy, mm-hmm. uh, you don't get to buy uh, Pro V1s at a discount very often. And this, this is a great opportunity for that. And so we, right. that, that is typically one of our, one of our uh, more successful promotions of the year. Uh, we've got uh, some others that are tailor-made. TP5, uh, TP5X has a buy three get one free going right now as well. And so does, uh, uh, in fact, uh, tomorrow. Uh, uh, if if you like Tiger's golf ball, uh, uh, we're launching a Bridgestone uh, buy three get one free with free personalization on the B series. So, uh, you know, when when times are like this, people one is that they gravitate to strong brands. Right and mm-hmm. two, sure. uh, they 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 look they look for value, right? And so so when you kind of add those together along with a promotion, it it's certainly uh, uh, it's certainly compelling offer and a compelling value for for golfers uh, when when these types of promotions run and they and they don't run very long. Like uh, I think the titles one may may run for a month or so. Typically that that's right. about how long they run. So I also noticed too, because um, I've I've obviously been on your your website many times. Um, in addition to golf balls, you have other uh, items as well, uh, obviously golf related that um, people can uh, personalize as well. Talk a little bit about some of the other things that people can do. Sure. So uh, so our really our core business is customized balls or just golf balls. But but uh, we carry a really a complete selection. If you walked into any any golf shop anywhere, uh, you could find we carry top brands of clubs, shoes, gloves, bags, uh, pretty pretty much anything that you find in a pro shop. We kind of lead out with balls and customized balls, but we do but we do have a very broad selection of the other products. In terms of customization, 
uh, we, uh, if, if you order a customized uh, dozen golf balls from us, uh, before you check out, we'll show you what that same customization looks like on a ball marker or a divot tool. Uh, we'll give you mm-hmm. a chance to buy customized tees or even, uh, or even personalize your hat, right? And so, so if, you, if you think about golf and customization, uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're pretty much a, a, a complete stop for, uh, for people that like to add customization uh, to, their, to their golf products. Perfect. Um, let's shift states a little bit and go to the corporate side of thing. Obviously, there are yep. a lot of opportunities uh, for, for branding and so on and so forth. Why don't you touch on to some of the things for, for maybe those business owners that are listening out there that have thought about, you know, we want to do something to, to really help with our corporate brand. Um, golfballs.com can maybe help them a little bit. Talk about some of those ideas. Sure. Uh, so, so that's about a third of our business. We have a team of, uh, of about 10 people that, that actively work with, uh, work with uh, accounts to help them find the right products that they're looking for to help, to help their brand image. And so if you think about, like, I would imagine most of your listeners have played in golf tournaments or played in Monday golf tournaments or played in pro-ams. And so, mm-hmm. so uh, if you think about the ditty bag that you get at that pro-am, uh, right. all of the products that are, that are in that pro-am ditty bag, uh, we, we, we can sell and we do sell every day. Uh, it starts with balls, but the, it kind of moves to shirts we have a full line of top branded, top branded golf shirts, golf hats. Uh, we can do backpacks. I think we we did a big order the other day for a uh, for a corporate event with a with a whole bunch of Titleist backpacks. They're very cool. Uh, you send a message to everyone participating in the event when you when you provide something like that. So pretty much anything with a golf brand that you would imagine at a at, at a golf tournament is uh, is the type of product that that. that those same buyers that are buying for a golf tournament often often make the make the same purchase for for their company for trade show use. So anything that could be used at a at a trade show, even even along right. the lines of promotional products, those are still the same type. We we still carry a full a full selection of those those types of products. So let's uh, again keeping on with with some of our corporate types out there. Let's say as an example, they've got a corporate event. They're going to have a corporate tournament coming up a little bit later on in the season, maybe midsummer, um, and they want to put together um, one of these bags for for some of their uh, partners and and so on and, and their guests. Um, how much lead time? Uh, I mean, obviously, let's say they have a full size tournament, uh, 144 players are going to be playing in the event, uh, and obviously, you probably want some extras too for for other guests and that. How much lead time typically um, do you require, uh, let's say, for argument's sake, if they were going to have a tournament mid, mid-June, June 15th, as an example? Sure. So every, uh, every company has some differentiators that, that, that makes them sure. kind of stand out from, from the competition. Uh, because we produce uh, everything that we sell or almost everything that we sell in-house, we customize it. We have embroidery in-house. We have uh, several different types of printing in-house. We have uh, lots of different types of decoration. We do even have vinyl, kind of a vinyl heat seal process. We can literally take, take an order, assuming that, that, that we all agree on the artwork and how it's going to work uh, on, on how, and how it's going to look on the product, and we can, we can get it out within a day or two uh, and, and uh, get it to the customer. I mean, we, we specialize in last-minute orders, 
uh, because we have the ability to produce it all in house. So, wow, so wh- while a- we prefer to have a longer lead time, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you an example. Uh, we if we we sell. Uh, um, a lot of products on Amazon seller fulfilled prime. A lot of the products we sell are customized. Uh, in order to, to, to do that, we have to literally take an order at noon, customize it and ship and ship it out the same day at scale. Cause if you're selling on Amazon, you're selling a lot of products every right. day. So we really specialize yep. in getting it right every time and getting it right uh, as fast as the customer needs it. Kind of, I, I would say, uh, customization at the speed of Amazon. Wow, that's incredible. Um, you know, and, and that's good to know for for a lot of our corporate listeners out there that maybe are thinking about an event and they're trying to put everything together. And it can be a little bit daunting sometimes when you're trying to put a big event together and you've got all of these things to think about. It's nice to know that you have somewhere that you can go and say, okay, we want to have these particular items. We, obviously, we want some golf balls for our um, uh, for our guests, and and we want to be able to have them. Uh, customized with our logo so that, uh, you know they're going to be playing that and maybe some other accessories as well and it's nice to know that you know they don't necessarily need it in a day but it's nice to know that they can get a very quick turnaround and um and uh, and have it ready uh for when their event comes up and and sometimes like you said in sure, some cases, sure i mean last minute so yep you know we and we've got people that uh that, that do this every day and so they you're, you're gonna you're gonna talk to a person that's, that's in the business of doing this. They're going to walk you through the process. They're going to help you find the right product. Uh, and, and they're going to make sure that it gets, gets to you the way you want it when, uh, and, and, and at least, uh, at least in time for your event, right. Get it to you when, when, when you want it. We've got one, one of our, one of our corporate sales reps, uh, there, some of them are golfers, some of them are golf, art golfers, but they, they're all familiar with the space. One of them runs a, uh, runs a, a big, uh, a pretty substantial golf league. So if you want to know anything about running a golf tournament, uh, uh, or, 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 uh, you know, whether how to run a golf tournament, and we've, we've got people that can help you with your event, not, not just sell your product, but help you with your event. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and that's, again, that's equally important as well, because especially for, for companies that maybe have not had a lot of experience in running a tournament, uh, this might actually be their first season. Um, as I said, there's a lot of different components to it. It's not just, uh, you know, arranging to get the course and, and uh, the times and, and all that and, and you know, getting uh, um, people signed up for the event and that, but it's getting all of the, the other things. So it's nice that they can come to you and, and uh, and have some uh, basically somebody walk them through the process uh, because obviously you know they're not yeah. very familiar with it at this point and and that's that's important it's not just a quick turnaround but it's also um, you know really the customer service and, and helping them uh, I think that's fantastic uh, and that's again yeah, we, uh, we, as I mentioned we, go ahead no I'm sorry I was going to say we we also specialize in really low minimums so so like uh, if if you're a if you're a very small business but you want to get something with your business logo on it. Uh, we, we can, we can offer a quantity as low as, as uh, one dozen golf balls. Right. So it does, you don't, you don't have to order 24 dozen to, right. to, 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 to check it, check out your business logo on a, on a golf ball or, or other products. Most of our products have a minimum, minimum order of six golf balls. It's a minimum of one, of one dozen. So I think, you know, kind of on the list of things that make us unique, we're, we're pretty fast at doing what we do, and we, we, we like very low minimums. 
because it reduces kind of if if you're a first time buyer of, of a product with your logo on it, uh, you want to check it out before you buy a whole bunch of them, right? And, or if you're a small business owner, you don't want to spend, right. you don't want to buy two, two years worth of golf balls or two years worth of products uh, in one sh- in, in one shot. You want to you want to buy what you're going to need for the next month. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Um, and you know that you, you've got to work it into the budget and and so forth. And that and that's really important to know, Tom, because I think that you know for whether it be a consumer or business owner, small business owner um, that is working on, you know, with, with limited budgets, you know, you, you, you want to have these items to, again, to be able to enhance your business and, and maybe offer as giveaways or, or things like that uh, for promotional purposes. But um, you know, you don't want to be, especially a new business, you don't want to be breaking the bank and, and having to make large commitments. And that's, you know, that's, that's a great feature for you guys to be able to offer that uh, to, uh, again, not only consumers, but, but small business owners. I think that's fantastic. Um, and, and as I was about to say earlier, that's why you're a world leader uh, in, this, uh, in this business. Uh, I want to shift gears just a little bit, and we'll, I'm more than happy to come back and, and talk more about uh, golfballs.com. But uh, you've also had uh, other experience. Uh, as you mentioned, you were a, a, a were former a country club manager, and you were also – a director um, on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, which is uh, obviously previously the Nike Tour. Talk a little bit about that experience there. Um, this was obviously before you, you put together uh, GolfBalls.com. Yeah, so all of that. Uh, so getting I, when I when I was uh, going to college, I got started in the in the club management business just just by chance, by luck, and uh, and when I graduated. Uh, I, I decided to stay and be in club management. Uh, along the way, I had an opportunity to be a co-director of a. Uh, back then, it was a yeah Nike. So I, 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 if if all of your if your audience was around, I'd ask for a show of hands. Uh, who who remembers <laughs> the Ben Hogan tour and the Nike right. tour and the Webback right. tour? You know, go, go, uh, going back that far, I'm da- I'm, I'm dating myself because all of this predates predatesgolfballs.com so it, ha- it has to be the early 90s but but i but i all of that was just just an incredible experience right so you get to know right. you, you truly get to understand the golf business from the ground up when when you're when you're working at a uh when you're working at a country club and you're managing a country club and then you get to understand you know what it is that that, that it what it takes to run a golf tournament whether it's a, a, a large PGA Tour event, which which we, we, at, at, at the time our event was one of the one of the larger web uh, web.com tour or, or, or Nike Nike Tour events, it wasn't one of the big the big tour events, or, or you're running a, a charity fundraiser. Kind of, there's a lot of the same practices and best practices that apply to all of that. And I kind of feel like it was the it, it was my background, uh, you know, in, in both of those areas. That 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 helped that helped me in the early years of develop of developing golfballs.com. The fact that I had some real deal golf business experience before starting golfballs.com. You know, all businesses have challenges, and so so sure. so it's kind of you, you draw on your experience. And I just had a lot a lot of industry experience uh, in, in, in entering this brand new space called e-commerce. It's not brand new anymore. But in 1995, it was it, it was it was the wild west, and it was brand new. You know, and it, it's an interesting point too that you bring up because, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people might look at that and say, you know, back when before you you started golfballs.com, 
is there was obviously a need for that type of, of uh, product to be able to and service to be able to provide. And, um, you know, you got to see it firsthand by working in the industry in a different capacity and say, hey, you know what, here's an opportunity I think that would do, would serve the industry very, very well uh, and serve businesses very well. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously you, you were able to go out and, and accomplish that by, by starting golfballs.com. But uh, again, it was your access to the golf business that really helped you to, to sort of get those um, early years of experience under your belt and, and, and identify right, a need. You're right. I, I've got a funny story with that. So, uh, so around the time that I started the business, uh, my, I, to this day, my dad, my, my dad has never used a uh, computer. He has a flip phone. If that, if that helps put this, put this in perspective, I, he told he, 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 he asked me, uh, he said, why would anybody go online to buy, to, oh. to buy golf balls when you can go to the store and get golf balls? And so it kind of, it's like today, it seems kind of silly, but it's the right question right. that we always ask ourselves. Why does somebody come to us when they have so many different choices to, 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 to buy product? And so that's really, that's really driven our, our, our whole business strategy over the years. We have to differentiate and sell products that, 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 that consumers love uh, that, that, that's not readily accessible at other places. And so that kind of leads us down the road of all the different uh, game improvement alignment aids and different types of customizations that we, that we offer on products. I make fun of my dad a lot over, over, <laughs> over that state. He really doesn't care, but I, I, I make fun of him a lot about it. But, 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 but the truth is it's the right question to ask, right? Why, why will somebody come to you and not go somewhere else? That's ultimately the question that every business has to ask. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I can honestly say that I remember all of the above. I remember all of the tours right back from the Ben Hogan tour. So I'm <laughs> dating myself. And I wasn't that long ago. I had a flip phone. So uh, and I'm probably it won't be long, too much longer. I'll have to go back to a flip phone, I'm sure, um, if technology keeps changing. But um, only kidding. But uh, yeah, I remember. <coughs> pardon me. I remember that as well. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because there's really so many things that you can do with golfballs.com. Um, you know, that I'm sure each day as, as more and more um, opportunities present itself and as you see different trends and changes in the industry, I'm sure that sparks some interest in, to, in your mind and in your, um, uh, your staff's mind to say, you know, hey, here's, a, here's another need that we're starting to see or another trend that's happening and here's an, another opportunity to maybe uh, add that to, um, you know, to our, uh, our product line. Um, do you look at, at what's going on in the tour? You mentioned earlier about um, some of the, the training aids that have come out of it uh, with, with drawing, when the pros drawing on the golf balls and that, that was obviously gave you an idea. Uh, is that something that you frequently look to um, in the industry for, for more ideas to expand your business model? Yeah, you, you can count on us to launch a new product line like that every year or two. It's kind of uh, it, it's 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 how it's how we do things differently than 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 the rest of the world. The funny, so we we've been printing alignment aids on golf balls for about fifteen years. Uh, we started doing it uh, we we started doing it at the request of a good friend of mine, Morris Miller. Uh, he's on my board of directors. And, and he kind of scratched out something on a piece of paper and he wanted his initials inside of a line. And so, yeah, we can do that. It'll be, it'll be hard, but we, but we can do that. And then we right. did it. 
And then we said, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is pretty cool. Let's see if we can do this at scale. So we launched a product line 15 years ago called, called, uh, called we call it ID Align because you had your identification inside the alignment aid. It wasn't like the full, you know, the, the, the half print all the way around, but it was still a, per, a, a pretty cool alignment aid. We, we always listen to our customers. And, and when they say, hey, can you do this? We, we, we see if it's practical. We see if it's something that we could do. And, and in the case of the uh, Align XL, we actually had to invent equipment or create equipment that was never that, that wasn't made in order to be able to, to, to print that product line. It's really it's, it seems kind of silly to say it's really hard to print a line halfway around the ball with a name in the middle of it. Right. It seems kind of silly to say that it's really hard to, to, to do to, to do that because of the dimples and the, and, and the, the mm. distance of printing. And so we uh, I think we're on our third iteration of our of our printing units to be able to continuously improve uh, the, the the end product for for our for our custom for our customers on that. But the ideas come come from friends. They come from the tour. They come from uh, blogs. Uh, if and, and if it's practical, if it's something that we think that we can do at scale, and it's something that we we think that our customers will like, we'll we'll certainly give it a try. It took us two mm-hmm. years of kind of taking pictures of this alignment aid that all the golfers were putting on their balls to, to go from, man, we really need to do this to, to having a, having a, uh, a piece of equipment that it will allow us to print that at scale. Yeah. And, and you know, you're, you're always, I, I think as an entrepreneur, you're always looking for ways and, and um, you know, not just to expand your company, obviously, but you're looking at ways to, um, to sort of open that creativity. And you mentioned something that was kind of interesting. Obviously you, you, like to have interaction through your blogs and, and, and other ways um, with some of the people that are, are doing business with you, whether it be consumers or, or, or business types. Um, so obviously that's important feedback as well. Would you agree with that? Do you think that that's something that's really helped sort of shape some of the direction that you guys have gone into some of the feedback you've gotten? You know, I, I, I think that does uh, certainly does for a lot of our team. Uh, I, I actually look at a lot of orders that come through the come, come through the business. And again, like today, we'll, we'll have over a thousand orders. I'm embarrassed to say that I probably looked personally, looked at 150 of them. I probably looked at 150 wow. of them. And, and I, and I kind of feel like, like on, on one hand, that seems like a really silly use of a, a silly use of your time, Tom, right? What a silly use of your time. Right. On the other hand, it's a, it, it helps me better understand what our customers are thinking, right? Like, what are they putting yep. on golf balls? What are they putting in the comments? What are they asking about? And so, uh, you know, we, we have, we have visualization on our website of all of the, of all the different customization that whether it's a photo upload, uh, or a logo, or whether it's uh, some type of an alignment aid with a message in it. And, and by, by neurotically reviewing, these order confirmations, which I know I shouldn't do, by neurotically ordering, reviewing these order confirmations, it kind of gives me a sense of, of what our customers are thinking. And, and, it, and it may help give me some insight and help me give the team some insight as to the direct of, 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 our, of our next steps in terms of new product development. Yeah, and, and as you pointed out, you know, being, you know, in charge of your company, you do need to know what's what's coming in and what's going out and to really understand your, your customers. Um, you know, so I, I don't find it unusual 
um, that you're going through, you know, on average, let's say, or even today, 150 orders, because you're right, you have to get a perspective of, of what your, your customers are interested in. Um, because otherwise, if you're not doing that, if you're not really paying attention to the direction that they're going and you just keep doing the same thing, um, then there's going to come a point in time where it comes to a grinding halt because you're, and the orders are going to stop coming in because people are going to say, well, you know what, I really want this and they're not doing it and they seem to be just going in one direction. So you have to be sort of cognizant of what, um, you know, your, what your customers are, are really looking for. Um, otherwise, they're, you know, they're just not going to be customers. So I think that's important. Yeah, I think you raise it's a- probably like the equivalent of staying at the register uh, mm-hmm. and, and having direct conversation with customers of a virtual, you know, kind of, kind of, of an online business. It's not, it's not too dissimilar from that. Right. And, uh, and, and direct feedback from customers. Right. Exactly. That's what I was just about to say is you get some great feedback from them. And, and I imagine over the years you've probably had, um, you know, maybe some unusual requests or things like that. Um, does it happen very often where there are some things that you just can't do, like it's just impossible to do, or you haven't been able to, to find a way? And when and if that does happen, does that create more of a challenge for you to say, you know what, we're going to figure out a way to try to do this? Uh, I, I've got a friend of mine that has asked me to come up with a way to uh, take any drawing you want and map it over the outside of the entire golf ball. Like that's going to be really hard to do. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know how I'm not quite, it's, but, but at, if we're going to do a dozen at a time, that'll, that'll really be hard. Uh, I will tell you some of the, some of the challenges that we have uh, uh, just, just kind of, they're kind of funny is that, is that you can't imagine what people will, will, will want printed on golf balls. And so, oh, I so can uh, you know, we, we're, we are, uh, we are all about the first amendment. Uh, but right. we're also all about our manufacturer. Uh, you know, we're, we're a converter <laughs> account, official printer for every manufacturer. So, so there's limitations to what we can print. And sometimes customers get really creative with, uh, oh. with uh, either images, either images they upload or messaging, uh, messaging that they have, that they have on a golf ball. And m- most of the time it's, you know, it, it doesn't happen very often, but, Sometimes our customer service rep will have to give them a call and say, "Hey, can we use this word instead of that word?" Or, "Hey, <laughs> I really need a different photo because we just can't print this." Right. Yeah. Enough, enough said. I think I, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and and it's interesting. You know, again, it goes to to your earlier point. You know, you you want people to have fun and and make it a great experience and and to be able to to kind of play with it a little bit. But you know, obviously, you have to have limitations in that and. Um, um, you know, and I think it's, you know, one of the things I, I guess one of the final questions I want to ask you is as technology, just to, to sort of play off what we were just talking about with some of the challenges that you might be faced with um, logistically getting things done, as technology changes in the industry, um, and I'm not talking about golf industry, but in, in some of the tools that you're using to produce uh, the, the end outcome, are, is that helping to alleviate some of the challenges that you've been faced with and how often do some of those changes come? I mean, with computers, an example, I mean, it's changing on almost on a daily basis. Um, do you foresee in the next five, 10 years, a lot of some of those challenges that maybe you once were faced with um, becoming easier to handle as technology changes? 
So, uh, so we always invent and reinvent uh, the equipment that we use to print things, and we develop all of our own software that drives our processes. Uh, I, I think, I think it, you ask a great question uh, because from my perspective, as the users get more comfortable manipulating images on Facebook and uploading right. things, and, 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 and they like to buy more things customized and personalized, it puts us in a great position to be able to to be able to offer that type of customers, and, and it's easy for them to place the order. We kind of feel like we've had a pretty easy process, but but if if somebody has been on Facebook for a number of years, uh, th- there is nothing intimidating about uploading an image or or entering entering fields to be personalized on a golf ball, right, or or on any type of product. If you go back ten years. Uh, it was it was a uh, it was a daunting task, let's say for my mother to to upload an image to a to a website and hit submit and make it look the way the way she wanted to on a product. Right now, mm-hmm. like like as technology advances, uh, customers are just more comfortable doing it. Customers are more comfortable ordering on their phones. They're more comfortable taking pictures and uploading things on their phones. They're more they're more comfortable kind of living their life on there. Uh, living their life uh, and ordering product uh, for for their daily life on their phones, and so I think that puts us in a really great position. You kind of take the whole the whole kind of macro trend of mass customization, and 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 you 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 know we we are we are kind of like the mass customization within golf, and I think te- technology is enabling uh, everybody uh, to 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 easily uh, easily order mass customized products. Fantastic. Well, you know, it, it, it doesn't surprise me any longer, you know, when we, we see technology and, and how it's advanced. I mean, I can remember even just things like social media, you know, even five years ago. Um, now there are things that you can do and, and, and ways of, of tracking, whether it be you know, customers and things like that, so much easier now. And it's just a matter of time really um, where we're going to see another big shift in that technology. And, um, you know, there, some of those steps and some of those processes that have happened in the past are going to be, some of them are going to be eliminated or sped up because of the technology. And, and it's just going to get that much easier, as you said, for not only you guys, but also for the customers as well. Um, as we wrap up, Tom, um, I want to give you an opportunity to, to really speak out to those that are listening to the show that maybe have never um, had the benefit of, of using uh, or going to golfballs.com, just really how simple the process is and the best way to, to reach out to, uh, uh, to have uh, something that, uh, you know, maybe some golf balls that they're thinking about getting ready for the season as we, as we grew up for a new golf season here uh, in the United States. So what's the best way to reach out and, and what's the best way to, to get things started? Yeah, so, so uh, the easiest thing to do is go to golfballs.com. Uh, you know, we, we like to say, why buy blank balls when you can customize for free? So pretty much everything we've got on the site right now, uh, is, is, is customizable for free. It's a very, uh, we've got a lot of great ball promotions. Uh, it's not an intimidating process and it'll make like when you show up at the, at the tee box and everybody's pulling their balls out and you're like throwing them up to, you like, you go, wow. This is really cool. So you got you got you know you got a little bit more street cred with your uh, with <laughs> with your foursome when you got a, a tour caliber 
a lineman aid with your name in it uh, on, on, on your golf ball. And all it took you was about a minute uh, on our website to be, to be able to place that order. Wow. That's fantastic. That's incredible. Um, and they can also, if they have any questions, is there a way that they can communicate, whether it be through your blog or, or customer service, if they have questions or things like that? I mean, I know the website does answer a lot of it. If they do, is there, is there uh, some way that they can reach out to, uh, to somebody at golfballs.com yeah. to, to get more information? Sure. Well, I, I just say that anybody can email me, Tom Cox, T-O-M-C-O-X at golfballs.com. It's been my, uh, my address for uh, almost 25 years. <laughs> that's, that's a long that's a long time to have a uh, to have to have the same email address yeah tom cox uh, I, at golfballs.com i agree well tom i want to thank you very much for joining me tonight on golf talk live it's been a pleasure and um you know it's been interesting to learn more about golfballs.com and uh, i would strongly uh, urge any of the listeners out there uh, again whether you're a consumer or whether you're a business type uh, to visit the website golfballs.com right after the show check out some of the great specials and deals that they've got going on and uh, as Tom said don't be afraid to, to reach out uh, to him as well if you have any questions or, sure. or comments uh, to find out about that but Tom thank you very much I appreciate it and uh, you're welcome to come back anytime and uh, just on a side note uh, just for your information um, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it earlier in the program but I actually recently acquired uh, Golf Tips magazine uh, as part of my, oh, really? uh, yes, I actually just, uh, finished the purchase, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So I may actually reach out to you. There may be some Congrats. opportunities that we can, we can work. Thank you. That we can maybe work together. So I'll, I'll reach out to you independently, but I just wanted to put that out there before uh, we said goodbye, but thank you again, Tom. I appreciate it very much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and you're welcome to come back anytime. Thanks, Ted. It's great. Great to be on golf talk live. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Tom. All right, that was my very special guest, uh, CEO and founder of um, golfballs.com, Mr. Tom Cox. Uh, great business, and I strongly urge you to go and visit uh, golfballs.com. Uh, if you're somebody that's uh, getting ready, as I said, for the season, maybe you're a small business owner, as Tom mentioned earlier, uh, they've got a great uh, way to you know, just order uh, minimum. You're not going to get locked into any uh, large order. So if maybe you just need even something as simple as a dozen golf balls that you'd like to have customized uh, with your logo on it or our business brand, uh, they can certainly help walk you through the process. It's actually, as he said, very, very simple to do so uh, online. It, it's actually a very simple process, but you can certainly reach out to them there. So go to golfballs.com, uh, uh, check out some of the great products uh, besides the golf balls that you can also get uh, customized uh, as well. And uh, if, again, if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can certainly reach out to their team there uh, through the website. All right. Uh, once again, I want to thank everybody, <coughs> pardon me, from uh, the Coach's Corner panel, John Decker, Jamie Leno-Zimron, and Sue Weger uh, for joining me. And once again, my special guest, Tom Cox, founder and CEO of GolfBalls.com. Uh, and uh, I want to thank uh, all of the listeners for faithfully tuning in each and every year. I'm really excited about this season this year. Uh, we're in season number eight here for Golf Talk Live. And um I hope, excuse me, I hope that uh, you will continue to tune each and every week, and uh, I will be giving updates uh, not only through social media, but here on the show uh, with some upcoming uh, things uh, that I'm going to be doing with uh, Golf Tips Magazine, which uh, I just purchased, as I mentioned, and also the iGolf Sports Network. I'll be launching that a little bit later on in the season, um, but be safe out there, everybody. Uh, really pay attention to what's going on. Um, I know there's a lot of conflicting stories, but uh, I want you all to be safe. We want to get... Uh, we want to lick this thing as quickly as possible and, and get back to 
uh, somewhat normal normalcy. So you know, make sure you're tuning into your local uh, broadcasts and and uh, paying attention to what's going on. Uh, and if you've got some elderly folks out there, uh, make sure that uh, you you help to them to take uh, the necessary precautions as well. Uh, we want to reduce uh, obviously uh, the exposure and uh, just be smart about it, but be safe. Thanks, everybody. I will see you next Tuesday on the Women of Golf Show with my good friend, LPGA professional Cindy Miller. Uh, if you go to blogtalkradio.com after the show, and uh, you can either type in Golf Talk Live or Women of Golf, uh, either page. And uh, if you missed tonight's broadcast, you can scroll down to the on-demand section on uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. Or in uh, just a moment when I play the outro, it'll tell some other great ways that you can listen to the uh, shows as well. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend and stay safe. God bless everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and, of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.